Welcome back to the Intervention Podcast. This is episode number six, and my guest today is Phil Oakley from Outserve UK. Phil is an expert in digital marketing, social media, Google Apps, and cloud computing. So, Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, and thank you for that fantastic introduction as well. It's great to be here. I spend a lot of time on the introduction, so I like it when it goes down well. Yeah. Uh, so, first question for me is this kind of social media, cloud computing stuff. It's probably a job that didn't exist 10 years ago, certainly not 20 years ago. So how did you come to find yourself doing this? Yeah, I, you know, great great question. I think, don't they say now that the, the jobs of the next 10 years, probably over 50% of the jobs of the next 10 years, will not have existed 10 years ago. And probably all the people coming out of school now won't have job titles that existed at all. But, but you're right, yeah, digital marketing really didn't uh, exist 10 years ago. Um, I started my, my business actually uh, here, where, not far from where we're sitting here in, in Wolverhampton, um, 2007-2008 as a, an IT consultancy and I, I was just very passionate and fired up about all the social media, about Twitter, LinkedIn, which were pretty much in its infancy, well you know, both really starting in 2007, but I got onto both platforms quite early and everyone I met I was talking to her about it, telling her how important I thought it was for, for business. And, of course, it sort of spiralled on from there, I think, from my passion for it, from people in probably in 2007, 2008, really not understanding what it was. It was a great opportunity for me to actually go out and do some uh, some talks, some consultancy and some training to help businesses understand what it was. Certainly back, you know, I remember I did a talk for University of Wolverhampton in 2007 and really then you were explaining what is social media, mm. how is it going to affect me and, and a lot of people at that time were just saying it's a fad, it, you know, I don't understand it, it won't take off, it's not going to be important, it, you know, it'll be on to the next thing and of course I think we can see now that well, it's certainly not a fad. Yeah, I mean not to make this about me in any way but I've, I've kind of seen uh, something in common there where I'm trying to do my meditation in school stuff. And at the moment, I'm explaining what meditation is, but I firmly believe, like, in another 10 years, it won't be just what's meditation. It'll be in probably what you're doing now is delivering it well with competition and with everybody seeing its its full value. Yeah, I think you can make a really good comparison there. I can see, just from where I'm sitting, that meditation is probably at the stage in the mainstream, in corporate world, in schools, where social media was 2007, 2008, and that you're in that the early phase and I think you can always talk about these bell curves of explaining it and justifying it and, and what it is and you know later on you'll be more when everybody gets it it'll be how do I do it better what are the benefits what are the latest things but yeah I think you are in that early curve of not having to convince everybody but really it's teaching people what they, they don't know so they're they're un- unconsciously um, incompetent effectively yeah. it's a, not, not such a great phrase but unconsciously incompetent they don't know what they don't know yeah when you tell them then they know what they don't know and it's that journey that yeah. we're all on I think absolutely and back to the tech side of it and the latest thing that's coming out now which seems to have a lot of skepticism in the tech world is Bitcoin. I wondered what your thoughts were on that. Well, that's you know, in tech world, it's quite quite mature. Obviously, Bitcoins have been around for for a while, uh, and of course, there, there is lots and lots of, of of issues around that, and and the fact there's been lots of scandals already with lots of money. I think there's just been a case this week where someone's gone to jail for um, suddenly X million Bitcoins disappeared. <laughs> Um, and although it was initially a secure system, there's there's a lot of people who have abused it, and and unfortunately crimes, like with any currency, with any money, yeah. crimes can happen. 
Um, whether we'll see it coming in the mainstream, I know some shops have started to take it. Clearly, it's popular okay. online with some some people. It has become po popular you know, on certain parts of the internet. Um, I, I know the one of the exchange shops on the high street will take bitcoins. Okay. Uh, an interesting currency, but I think it scares financial markets. There's too many headlines that uh, about how money has gone missing and people have lost out and how it, it can be very dangerous. We're probably at an early stage of digital currencies and trying to understand it. And Bitcoins as a case study will be interesting okay. to look back on. And is it going to still be here in a few years' time? And can we control it securely? Yeah, I think there's going to be a bit of resistance from the... Now the old institutions and whatnot with that sort of thing. But it is obviously we've just seen Apple Pay coming on the mobile phones, and, and clearly that's getting traction as all the banks have started to adopt it. And I think mobile payments uh, are, are going to be you know very important going forward, as so many of us now carry our smartphones. We want easy ways to pay. Uh, I think Apple Pay and things like that, and other payment mechanisms will be will be very popular, but. Now look at the popularity of PayPal over over the years. Easy ways to pay for things online, which is secure and we trust. And that's the big thing. Once trust breaks down, and you could argue that in some ways trust has broken down within banks mm. and within our own currencies, maybe uh, yeah, Bitcoins has a future. Maybe Bitcoins mm. is the answer for Greece, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it could well be. Um, so back to the social media side of things. How powerful do you think it's coming today's world both for individuals and then businesses which is more where you operate well you know there's obviously lots of case studies and examples out there where it you know we can take maybe start with sort of political situations and, and the world you know people have argued that barack obama would not have won uh, his initial election and become the president of the united states and the most uh, probably most powerful man in the world literally without twitter and without social media and there's a lot of information behind that and of course we have seen across the world in, in, in Egypt and in, in countries where it, it, revolutions have happened because of this technology that has, has, has come out how does that affect us in a business though is, is, is a bit different um, clearly it's very influential clearly there's lots of people out there who are affected by it who are influenced by it who really will only see that information if you're not on social media for a certain demographic you don't exist mm. um, and they're only going to interact with people who are uh, you could argue it sometimes that that's maybe a younger generation although I'd say that it could be any age group any sex any you know creed any color it's just that probably more digitally engaged and I think going forward we're just going to see it more and more again our own political system in the UK all of the political parties all of the main MPs are on social media and they're followed closely of what they do and what they say and, and that influences people um, yeah. certainly for profit which I know a lot of our businesses are about we can make fantastic connections with people on LinkedIn and we can promote things on Twitter and Facebook and of course we can sell directly from these platforms or even promote um, from yourselves I know you know your business I think would be fantastic there's things that you can do for meditation across YouTube, podcasts, all sorts of digital media to, to actually, again, earn money from doing you know great value things. I think, uh, I know my, some of my favorite uh, apps on, on my Android phone are meditation apps. And I've paid for that app. I'm very happy to pay a little bit of money for the app and pay for in-app content as well to mm. unlock other meditations or to get other information. Yeah, it is about providing value, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, yeah and as long as you're providing value, and that could be a £2 app but of course that gets your message out further because 
presumably not everybody can afford to pay for you to come and see them, especially if they're a bit further away, but they may be able to pay for that app and then they'll get the information again. You could go on to buy other other things from you as well. Yeah, it, it's something that can connect us easier, isn't it? Uh, so well, location it, it, it becomes... It takes away location, it takes away time, and, and a lot of the time it does take away that barrier, the financial barriers of things can become affordable. And, of course, it becomes a numbers game. Do you want a 1,000 people paying a pound or one person paying a thousand pounds. To be fair, you're probably better off with the thousand, you know, eggs and baskets. You'd be better off with a thousand paying a pound and trying to find another thousand who will pay a pound than at times having one person pay a thousand who could disappear tomorrow and you've got to find another one who's paying a thousand. Yeah. So yeah, all all business comes down to a bit of a numbers game. Yeah. That's something I was just thinking. I don't know if social media is the the chicken or the egg in this situation, but it seems like people more and more don't want to do business with sort of a faceless corporation and social media gives like a face to that name we're seeing more and more things like Airbnb where you're literally buying off an average person in their house or with Uber like if a random driver on the street is now your taxi driver and it seems like everybody wants more personalised, more social it's, it's incredible how yeah a digital world has actually made us closer and more connected and, and these, like you say with Airbnb just platforms to connect people but actually that is quite a personal relationship then especially if you with Airbnb if you're staying in somebody's home that's, you can't get much more personal than that especially if they're there maybe you're even you know kipping on their couch that's a very personal but the platform that's done that and like you say with Uber where you're again it's a very personal thing we don't tend to pick up people just randomly on the street which is a shame really you know we we could you see someone standing at a bus stop which is going exactly the same direction as you but you don't normally stop to pick them up or even up. just a hitchhiker we see I'm not, it'd be crazy to pick up a hitchhiker yeah. but no just because you see them on a phone first it builds up a level of trust doesn't it which yeah. is strange and maybe it's not and you know you shouldn't have that level of trust but that these networks are based on trust uh, airbnb is based on trust and of course recommendations which a lot of the time is the social media currency you look to see on airbnb how many people have stopped how many recommendations let's read these recommendations from people we don't know yeah. But we trust them, and that goes back to that sort of you know an Amazon product. More people go to Amazon to read the, read the reviews, even if they don't buy that product from there. They go to Amazon to read the reviews because they'll be more and they're more trusted. Um, and this peer, you know, these peer reviews and and how much trust we'll put in that, which literally is a group of people who we don't know. Yeah. You know, we trust that more than people who we know is what they actually reckon that we will trust a, a review on a website more than somebody. That we actually know personally. Okay, that's interesting. Where where was that suggested? Was it like a news in, in, in e-commerce? In some of the e-commerce stats, I suppose when when you think about it, it depends on on the product. Is the recommendation? Say, take Airbnb as an example. You know, you might talk to someone down the pub and go, "I'd never go and stay in that flat down in London." And you're like, well, you don't. You've never stayed in it. You don't know anything about it. Whereas the recommendation um, on the website is from somebody who actually has first-hand knowledge. I have no relationship with them, but their knowledge is better than the person in the pub. Yeah. It's a bit possibly a, a bad or embarrassing example, but at, at Christmas I, I wanted a, a, a bread maker, you know, a bread making machine. Okay. And I could have gone and asked lots of my friends about bread makers, but they weren't experts in bread makers. And their opinion of bread makers, they could have mine or mine was good, but actually I went to Amazon and I read all of these reviews. And some of the reviews are so well written about someone who's literally looked through all the manual compared it to every version i trusted the online reviews of bread makers more than my own family 
because they weren't as knowledgeable or perceived to be as knowledgeable as the person. So yes, yeah. I actually trust online reviews more than I trust my circle of friends because I actually believe that they're not as knowledgeable. Well, they're probably not. Are and they? they're not. They don't. They don't know about that flat in London. They'll give an opinion. They'll look at the pictures and go, "Oh, that's no good. You don't want to stay there." And I'm, well, how do you base that knowledge? I've got a review here from a person who stayed there and has actually given a lot of detail. And when you read the reviews, I think you can often tell it's like the, the gaming of, of, of TripAdvisor, isn't it? Yeah. Is it real or is it someone gaming the system? Um, you know, don't they say that in these one to five reviews, one to five star reviews, you should ignore the ones because they're the haters who just will just complain about everything. <laughs> Ignore all the fives because they're, they're the people are they're either lying. They were paid to put a five. Friends and family. Friends and family. <laughs> so you take those out straight away, and you read the twos, threes, and fours because they're the real people mm. who left real reviews and put some effort into it. Yeah. Um, and of course, they're so important to really understand, uh, what, you know, what it is about those things. Yeah, it's very true. Um, where do you think this is all going? I mean, is it possible to see where the next 10 years is going? It's probably a very big question for anyone, but I heard Mark Zuckerberg recently talking about virtual reality as the next step for Facebook, and I literally can't imagine what that will even look like. But where do you think this is all going, and how can we keep up, almost? It's, it is difficult to predict, and I suppose, you know, if we try and said 10 years ago, where would, where would all this be? And, and clearly, I don't think anyone would have predicted social media as it is today 10 years ago. Um, interesting, obviously, yes, you mentioned virtual reality, and uh, of course, you know, Google are doing a huge amount of research into it. Microsoft have their own VR headset, and you know, let's take you as an example. I could see, you know, virtual reality. You want to get into schools and go and deliver training to all of these courses. Imagine though, if you you could have all of the that classroom in in say London are using virtual reality, and you're there with your headset here in Wolverhampton you're effectively in the same place mm. and it may be that you create uh, a meditation area for these kids in, in inner city London which is you know zen plants and pools and the sounds and the sight of just as if you were you know meditating on on, on the beach in in Goa um, you could deliver that to a school in London and you could be there live doing it, but equally then they could have that whenever they wanted to. They could go into that virtual reality room, well, it's not even room, put their headset on, they're in Goa on a beach meditating with your training and advice. I think you know, the practical examples of virtual reality, obviously gaming, I can see definitely that's oh, got yeah. everything. But for businesses, when we think we could literally be anywhere we want in the world, with any group of people, wherever they are in the world, and we can... Creating a physical, a perceived physical environment that people could see, touch, feel, and think about, and that could be created at any time to go back into that room, into mm. that space, and share stuff. Where I think we want to deliver ideas, virtual reality, I think, for businesses could be a massive thing, but we will see, won't we? If we come yeah. back and do another podcast in 10 years, <laughs> see you in 10 years, yeah. Um, you know, they talk about the Internet of Things. And they've talked about the Internet of Things for a long time, whereas effectively every, every object is uh, connected to the Internet in some way, shape or form. So yeah. every you know, chair, table that, that we see is connected. You know, one thing is, is we'll never leave our, lose our car keys again because our, our the Internet will know where our car keys are. And you know, we're seeing it now with our mobile phones. Our mobile wants to predict what we want to do. 
all the time. If you, if you use Google now, it's it's trying to guess where am I travelling to next? Because yeah. actually, normally at this time, every week I travel to this place and it wants to predict what's going on. And the fact that it can you know, geolocate us uh, in the world, know you know what offers we like, what social media, it, it does open up a world of possibilities. Let's face it, a lot of possibilities of people who want to advertise to us, a lot of possibilities of people who want to market to us and sell us products and services. Mm. And of course, as businesses, that's what we want to do. And let's be honest, we, we want to make money, we want to help people. And all this technology is going to allow us to help more people in more places in the world, more times. Yeah, I think it, in terms of time now, it just seems like everything's getting quicker and uh, quicker and quicker. And there was an analogy I heard by uh, someone recently, which was like saying it's almost like the the money machines that you put in when you were a kid, and it goes round. And at first, it goes round very slowly and slowly and slowly. But the closer it gets to the bottom, and the hole, it's going faster and faster and faster and faster. Yeah. And that's almost like how time's moving. Uh, yeah, I think there's an age thing there as well as you get older. <laughs> yeah, time, time relatively fast. speaking. Wait till yeah. you're as old as me. It, <laughs> it's absolutely flying by. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I wonder if uh, you're familiar with like Ray Kurzweil and his predictions of the singularity and stuff and how it's getting literally exponentially bigger, exponentially cheaper, exponentially smaller. I, I'm not you know, familiar with the details of that, but I can definitely see... See, see how that is happening. Yeah, and it, he, it certainly feels like it is. He suggested, well, sixty years ago, the most powerful computer in the world. He says was half a building in size and cost millions of pounds. And now the iPhone that we've got is a thousand times smaller, a thousand times cheaper, and a million times more powerful, or whatever. Yeah. I may well, have got those numbers wrong somewhere, but it's, it illustrates the point. Yeah, there's Moore's law, isn't there? And Moore's yeah. law was was you know half the size and twice as powerful every every time. Basically, computer processing power. And you know, maybe a cliche, but yeah, you know, we've got more computing power in our pockets in our smartphone than that put man on the moon. Yeah. Um, and where that's going to go, it, it is it's just again faster and faster c- computers. And again, the future is about you know, the fear. I say fears. You know, some people have fears of artificial intelligence, and that's clearly where Google are doing a huge amount of research. And what what is that going to mean to us? When, when maybe computers are having ideas better than what we could have or certainly different. Yeah, I feel like I'm on the fence somewhat a little bit because I see the massive amount of potential in technology and I think it is overwhelmingly a positive thing. But then a number of years ago in my sort of teenage, early 20s years, I was uh, a fan of conspiracy theories and stuff and they're predicting you know, mass surveillance, um, a cashless society and... It seems like technologies that make almost allowing those things to happen. I guess I suppose we, we do live in a world of mass surveillance. You know how they can track you now, not just online, but the amount of CCTVs we've we've probably got around around the country. We are pretty much at Big Brother now. Yeah, and it's only going to get. Um I say worse. It depends how whether you see it as a good or a bad thing. But there's, there's clearly positives and negatives. You know, again, um, obviously I've got I've got small 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 children. I've got children who are growing up fast now. But uh, at that point, if one of them was to go missing, I'd want CCTV on every corner, in every place, yeah. in every trackable, and obviously the Internet of Things. You know, each child will be tracked. You, you've got it now. Wearable technology, uh, a massive a massive future. You know, was having smart watches, but you, you've got everything now. Well, you've gone to Amazon in the US. You can buy dog tags, uh, you know, dog dog chains where they've again got wearable technology. Your GPS tracking your dog. No doubt, at the same time, watching its heart rate. And of course, the medical profession of the things that we can do now just by a wearable watch. 
so it can work out what your pulse, what your heartbeat, how warm you are, all of those things. And for people with certain medical conditions, this is fantastic that we can mm. monitor them 24-7, possibly even when they don't want to be monitored 24-7, but to monitor people's health. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot of positives there, but yes, the yeah. big brother aspect. And yeah, if you watch too many Terminator <laughs> films... <laughs> Then uh, it, it's going to be interesting, and it it, it needs to be uh, needs to be controlled and needs to be regulated, and, and, and we need to keep a, a very close eye on it. Yeah. Uh, without the regulation crushing it, you know, people need to, to be able to go and uh, invest invest in things, investigate things, uh, do the research they need to do. Yeah, I suppose like anything else, the earliest discoveries like fire, it wasn't it's not that fire is necessarily good or bad. It's how it's used and absolutely the intent of and, the individual. And, and we're seeing now, you know, digital platforms and channels being used for a lot of bad. You know, we're seeing Facebook used for cyber stalking and, and bullying as a very simple example. But these are things that have always happened, haven't they? People have always been bullied. People have always tried it's a to corrupt. of life. Yeah. As with bitcoins, people have always robbed banks with money, and yeah. it will just continue. But of course, it can be amplified. Just businesses, we can amplify our message. I suppose, you know, as a, a you know, a crude example, with bullying, you know, we being bullied in in the playground is, is is horrible. Being bullied online is horrible, but it is seem to be amplified to the world and near enough. Yeah. Uh, and you can understand people became very very upset at both, but certainly by that digital aspect amplifying it maybe even further. Yeah, I think as long as the the people with good intent use these technologies, uh, outweigh the ones who have got bad intents, then I think. The, te- the potential of it will, will crush the, the bad. And, and most of it, like a lot of things, it's about education. It's about going to the schools, like you're doing with the MedTech. It's going, going to the schools, talking to the children about cyberbullying, talking to them and educating them about these platforms, which I would say, sadly, we're not doing enough of. It is a little bit being done, but you know, I think there's key areas in, in education that we're missing out on, that we're not teaching our kids about. I'd say, you know, meditation, definitely one, and li- teaching them about the mind. Mm. Um, Digital and online is a massive area that, that we're not touching. And we've touched on it with Bitcoin. Finances. Mm. We don't teach children in school about finances, about being entrepreneurs, about all those things. So there's three key areas that we're not touching children with. Um, you know, probably they're learning more on YouTube about those sort of things and not always the right things yeah. <laughs> on YouTube than they are in the classroom. Yeah. But and drugs is another thing. Well, I think we'll get into oh, the tangent there. Absolutely. But the amount of... Uh, just fear tactics and scaremongering that are causing more problems and locking up people who haven't perhaps, perhaps got a criminal problem but a, a medical addictive problem it's just there's so much again touching obviously there on mental health issues yeah. which is something that's not you know the awareness of mental health issues especially within young people children and, and young people and, and in schools and you know, not to go off on a tangent here, but of course the, the biggest, probably biggest issue at the moment digitally within schools is sex education, and the fact that the sex education within school probably isn't up to scratch, considering what access they can have to things on the internet, and people getting very confused with the massive amount of information which really isn't relevant sex education yeah. to how how is your average primary and secondary school teacher having to deal with this. Yeah. on a day-to-day basis and of course the challenges the massive challenges for parents yeah absolutely it definitely is about education with every single one of those things yeah because if I someone's that, educated yeah. enough to know what to do and what not to do it doesn't matter whether it's illegal or not the choice is the choice and i think it's so many of all those areas they are connected and like you say it comes back to education but what's clear is we are 
you know, without without wanting to scare them, we are failing our children mm. in certain areas. We could be doing a lot better. I'm not saying it's easy, yeah, but there's a lot more we could be doing. I think the internet is helping with those things as well because mass amounts of information are allowing people to make up their own minds sort of about different things. And so I think because of that, the, the collective consciousness I feel is almost raising to a higher level than it was say 50 years ago when what you heard on the television was yeah. the truth. Yeah, I think you know. As a, as a very basic, access information is a great thing. You know, one of my favourite sites is Wikipedia, not just because of the idea of it, but the fact is that that information there is on tap for anybody at any time, and that we can go to a place like that, which is just curated content, really mostly by anybody who wants to, to write about it, and how the checking mechanisms work on that, I think are phenomenal. But it, it is fantastic that these platforms can create that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to get into a, a bit of self-development now as well, so away from the just the technology side of things as well. And I remember last time we spoke, which was at the speed workshop that you were giving, we were talking a little bit during the break about some books you were reading. Yeah. And I always like to promote books and reading on this uh, podcast. So it was, if I'm not mistaken, The One Thing and Essentialism. So yes, can you just summarise a bit of what those absolutely. books are about and the impact it had? I think I've even I've got one to remember. Ah. So the, the, the One Thing is, is, is Gary Keller. And you know, obviously I would, I would say... Uh, as much as I like to, to recommend books, I think the main thing is we keep reading, we're, we're always reading. But uh, I think where we were picking up and we were chatting, but the one thing, which is a fantastic book by Gary Keller and, and Essentialism, really comes down to the areas of, of focus. And partly maybe because of digital, there's so much going on all the time. Uh, and we're, we're writing to-do lists left, right and centre. We're having you know, massive goals here, there and everywhere that we, we lose focus and actually achieve very little. And we get very frustrated, like I say, time is going faster and faster. We're trying to do more in our limited time. And at the end of the day, you, sort of, you get to the end of the day and feel that you haven't actually achieved much. And that's definitely, I think, in the world of business and entrepreneurialism, you, you can end up on a hamster wheel running around and you end up by the end of the day you've got more on your to-do list than you you started with and i've read a lot of good books about productivity and to-dos but certainly the one thing book was a great book for me also available in audio book which is very helpful to me so i can listen to it as i was going along and it just really to focus on on one thing to understand what is the one thing that's going to have the biggest difference focus on that get that done and then move on to something else uh, and I think in our busy busy lives, especially within businesses, if we can get that sort of focus, and I, I'm sure meditation can help here as well, is we you know import we focus on the important things, and so many things are are unimportant, and they get in the way of the important things. And sometimes that takes a bit of thinking about. And yeah, to read that book, I'd recommend lots of books, and just main recommendation is always to be reading always be taking on more but if you've not read the one thing or essentialism i would certainly put those uh, onto your reading list okay. i think two great 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 books and was the one thing in particular after you'd read that you thought this is the thing that i'm going to try and focus on <laughs> it, it is interesting yeah I, I think it does split your life into different categories so you you can have one thing for your personal life one thing okay. for your family life one thing for your spiritual and so absolutely i'll take it as an example which you will like so in the area of my spiritual life what's the one thing that I can do to improve my spiritual life meditate every day that's it yeah. it's one thing don't get bogged down you know and all these different things what's the one thing you could do and of course the, the, the solution is here so if I can pinpoint what is the one thing that will make the biggest difference why, am you, why are you not doing it why are you actually you know and that's the decision do it 
Yeah. If you pinpointed the one thing that's going to make the biggest difference to that area of your life, pinpoint and then go and do it. So for me, the spiritual part was, yeah, meditate every day. That's the one thing that's going to make the difference. So therefore, that's the habit that you, I've got to build. Again, in a, in a business scenario, you do exactly the same. What's the one thing in business that is going to help you grow or help you make more profit? Uh, profits and of course you can you know break it break it down into different areas if I say I want to have a better relationship with my clients or I want my clients to have more value right what's the one thing that I can do that it, by doing it will mean that either the other things I don't have to do them or they're not as important mm. and clearly once you've pinpointed that one thing that is so important and would make the other stuff either not required or not as important go and do it yeah and that's that's the difference. I think it's the action. We can sometimes it's hard to find what the one thing is, but yeah. once you've picked it, it's then the determination that that you're going to do it. So again, in your maybe in your own health and fitness world, and you want to get or fit or what's that one thing? What one thing could you do that by doing it, you know, would would help all the other areas? Yeah. So um, and again, I'm not certainly saying that I've achieved meditating every day, <laughs> but I know that's my one thing. And in that area, and I come back to my list again, that is the one thing I can do. Yeah. And I know I can do it, so why am I not doing it? Yeah, <laughs> I think we can all relate to that sort of thing. And with something like meditation, it's a bit of a journey, I think. And you go through periods where you, you can really nail it and you do 30 days straight, and then you miss a day and that becomes a week and two weeks until you get back on it. And yeah, I think, and in terms of focus, meditation's a great thing to pick because it will help you focus on every other area, maybe. Yeah. So. Uh, in if, if you're focusing on what's the one thing I want to do for my business because you've given yourself some time to meditate and reflect it might be that that gives you the the necessary focus or the access to infinite intelligence if you want to <laughs> call it that I, I think yeah and it's in the very practice that we learn we can do it and if you can do it for one then you can do it for the, the other but I think a lot of it is building up habits Yeah. and when you can build up that habit and you can get that change they say you know if you, if you do a habit 20 times it, it will become or 60 times but it, it's that determination to, to, to keep on going. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, let me see where, where we're up to. So we talked about meditation as your tool for self-development, and you mentioned earlier some apps that you use. Yeah. Uh, so which apps do you use for your meditation? There's one called Mind, okay. which uh, I, I, I quite like. You know, There's a lot of meditation uh, apps out there. So, yeah, there's one called uh, Mind, and there's another one I'm using called Mindspace UK, which is from a, a local company that have done yep. a, done an app. Uh, I suppose it's it's finding the meditations uh, that that you like. Presumably, you could put your your meditations onto an app and and listen to them as well. But I'd certainly yeah, recommend yeah. the Mind the Mind app and uh, the Mindspace UK app. And of course, a lot of the time they're just broken down. Some have courses in for every day, so you'll sort of do a challenge where you'll do twenty days and try and do it every day, and also they have things so the ones that I love sometimes they've just got a lot of one minute meditation so you've only got a minute you know and who couldn't find a minute somewhere you can just do that one minute one or if you've got five minutes there's a five minute one if you've got ten minutes you've got the ten minute one and you can just quickly choose the one you want I'd uh, say again you've got your smartphone with you yeah. depending on your circumstances a pair of headphones can often be, be useful mm-hmm. and you can just grab that 60 seconds with your app um or five minutes or ten minutes I think it's fantastic yeah definitely and are there any other apps that we'd find on your home screen that you kind of can't live without 
I think there's probably too too many uh, apps that I think I can't I can't live without. Although it's it's interesting, uh, you know, I must have a hundred apps installed, but I probably only use ten to fifteen or all the time. Um, I'm a massive fan of, of Evernote. Yeah, me too. Know, the, and I, I do want to capture everything. The idea that I can capture all my thoughts and ideas and pictures, and then it's fully searchable. Because uh, the amount of things you know, you you forget more than you retain so much. Mm. So I'm trying. If I read a book, put some notes in it into Evernote. Um, if I see a great YouTube video of meditation, put it into Evernote, uh, and just capture that. And the phone's so useful um, to do that. You know. I am always battling with a to-do app. I've just found this new one, which is called Accomplish, okay. which allows you to get a to-do and then very easily drag it onto the calendar because I think that's a big thing with to-dos that I've found is that they just create a list and the list just gets getting bigger. Yeah. But actually to get that onto my calendar, because I, I am very much led by what's on my calendar and that's you know the app I use the most on, on my phone is my calendar app. I'm always looking about you know, putting appointments in, looking at my time, uh, trying to get my habits in there, but yeah, there's a very new app called Accomplish, which okay. uh, which I like, which links the goals to the calendar as well. Yeah, yeah. So you can and and you know again, there's some very nice apps on yeah. uh, on building habits and and the link this this idea that yes, you break the chain. Yeah. So you're doing a habit straight, and if you stop, you break a chain, and trying to keep that chain going. Yeah. I must admit, one of my ones I can't stop looking at at the moment is my uh, Google Fit just because it tracks how many paces I do every day and, and how much time I spend either cycling or walking. Uh, and I've got my targets on that and I'm always just checking, <laughs> you know, how many paces how many paces have I done. Because it's so important, I think, for us all, especially in the sort of job that I do, you can have some days where you hardly move. Mm. And to remind yourself, actually, you know, it's about taking a break, going for a walk, getting some exercise, doing that bike ride, yeah. uh, having some exercise, going to the gym. And unfortunately, it's a terrible thing to say, but these apps remind me, and they're, they're important to me to look at, to go and say, actually, yeah, actually, I'm not, you know, it's ridiculous, I'm not you know, even spending 10 minutes moving in the last eight hours. Yeah. I've got to get out there and do something. Yeah, there's a great guy called Jason Silver who does these short videos on all sorts of topics, really, but he talks about technology as something that enhances our cognition, so the way the telescope enhanced our eyesight to be able to see light years into space, the... Mm apps like Evernote are increasing our capacity for to store information of the brain or as David answers our brains are for creating ideas but not storing them I was going to say I think we're very bad and I know I'm certainly very bad at storing information and by the end of the day you, you've literally forgotten 90% of, of what you've taken in so that ability to stick it into Evernote and I'm again tagging information so when I come back and search and the amount of times I will come back and search for something find something I say and I, I can't even remember having saved it but it, it's there now, and yet yeah, this technology is just going to get cleverer and cleverer at how it merges all of this. And let's face it, there is too much information, and we want to get to the important bits yeah. and what's important. And maybe again, back to that that one thing. And maybe one day Evernote will tell me what the one thing is because it'll be able to see all the information. Go, actually, that's the one thing, and help help us yeah. make decisions. The guy who's that the quote of that I mentioned a minute ago about our brains generating ideas but not storing the information. He's almost brought his ideas back now to a like a Zen type state where he's saying because everything's you know just stored on a cloud somewhere, it means that his brain is just clear in almost yeah. that meditative state, which it, is kind of a weird way technology's come back to 
for that spiritual side almost. Yeah, I, I think it is these tools where they get back to to-do lists again and if you can control that. So you know, a lot of the things that seem to worry our mind is, is the things that aren't sorted or, le- or are left. When we can understand that things are being controlled and they're in the right place, they're in the calendar and they're getting done, I think if our mind can be a bit calmer yeah. and not so worried about what have we forgotten you know, I don't know where I am tomorrow or, you know, that, that then life could hopefully in some ways become simpler. Mm. And, and you know, having that calm mind, <laughs> that I, I do think would, would benefit a lot of us and mm. the clarity of thought. Mm. And what's your take on wearables? We were talking about the fitness side of the apps a minute ago. Have you invested in that side uh, yet? N- not, uh, you know, uh, uh, the watch is obviously the thing at the moment. I'm yeah. watching the watch situation. Clearly... Um, if I was an Apple user today, I would have an Apple Watch. There is no doubt. But as I'm an, uh, an Android user and very much wed to the Google ecosystem, I'm watching quite closely. And I do like the Moto 360. And I can see more and more where they can be incredibly useful. Um, again, not just feed us in more and more notifications, but the health side, the tracking side, and just having the ability to see key information when you want it and as these devices get better and better I, I think we will see everybody using wearables yeah i think there's a bit of resistance at the moment but there was resistance to smartphones there was you know i'm old enough to remember the massive resistance to mobile phones yeah and how they would be massively frowned upon the whole time you know just owning a phone at one point from a certain group would be frowned upon let alone using it in public and now we've moved and those early smartphones I think a lot of people again looked at that why would I ever need one of those yeah I think we've got over that now I think you know so many people would be lost without their smartphone yeah Uh, and we'll see wearables becoming as 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 just as required quite how it will work well it will be you know with the Google Glass and again a bit of virtual reality there putting beaming stuff into our eyes all the watches It'll be very interesting to see. But yeah, yeah. the watch is definitely on my next uh, target to buy. <laughs> I was worried with the watches. I thought, you know, I'm already getting distracted by my phone enough. But I've kind of come to the other side now by thinking if I've got a watch on which will just tell me if I've got a notification or not. Whereas previously I might get my phone out and check for a message. There isn't one, but then I'll go on something else which will then lead to half an hour of flicking through Facebook or Twitter or whatever. If I can just see straight away there's nothing, then maybe that will enhance productivity as opposed to... We, there's no doubt, you know, the notifications got to, to such a point now. There's so many notifications that you ignore them, and the fact that you're always checking for things. And you, you know, again, if the phone can control that a little, or the, the watch can control that a little bit better. And this is what it is again. It's about the technology is getting better, and it's about the, these services learning what actually is important to us. And it's like about those those phone calls and and it routing. You know the fact that it might be a phone call from my daughter at a certain time. That's a very important call that maybe should interrupt whatever I am doing at that point because that's important. Of, of, you know an email from somebody else. And sometimes it's not actually how the message comes to us. It's what the message says that's important. You know I have this in a business context. Is someone might tweet me that they want to do business with us or they want to buy some products or services that's incredibly important an email might just be some email marketing to me it's not the method that it came it's the message and this again is where the technology will get better to actually prioritize stuff and that's when i go into a meeting i can set the watch to say right just these sort of priorities not the cruft don't ping every time someone sells me a, an email don't ping every time a text message comes it's what is important and that partly of course we we are in the sphere of artificial intelligence we're asking our devices to be intelligent and to make you know times tough choices 
to make my life easier because constant notifications 24 hours a day is not a calm mind and means actually I'll miss the important stuff mm. because I'm, I'm, you know, everything's pinging off all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another self-development topic I thought I would ask you about. Uh, the first time I met you was giving a huge presentation at Warwick Conference Centre and I've recently joined a speakers club to kind of improve that side of myself which is public speaking I'm yeah. going to do a lot more now with the business and stuff and is that something you've always found easy or has it just come through practice uh, no it certainly it something I think as, as a child uh, if we go back uh, into that I was quite shy um, and really didn't want uh, the uh, the limelight shall we shall we say but no absolutely it comes comes with practice and I think there's part of it as well as understanding. You know, I get nervous. I get I get very nervous. But being that actually that's part of it, and that's getting part of getting ready, uh, and you, you perform better under pressure. Um, but you know, clearly, I do enjoy it when I when I go out there, and and you know whether it's ten or a hundred or however many people. Um, but but definitely, it becomes easier the the more you do it. And I think we should all push ourselves more to do to do more of it, and that comes, you know, from everything. Go networking, meeting people, um, doing sixty seconds. Where sometimes you go to networking meetings where they make you stand up and do six seconds. I can remember the first time ever, you know, I was asked to stand and do sixty seconds, and I thought I was going to die. And, you know, you, you just think the world is coming in on you. Can't think of anything to say, and and you feel like you're going to look stupid. And uh, it is just all practice, 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 and doing it, and, and, and doing it. But I still think in this, even in this day and age of technology, there's no better thing to do than stand up in front of an audience and, and give either a presentation or a talk, ask questions, have a discussion, uh, to get your message across. Uh, and where we're definitely in the areas of we've got a message and we want to get it across, and we're passionate about that, and we really want to do it, we can get over our nerves, we can get over... You know, stage fright or any issues like that, because our passion to do it yeah. wants us to do it, and and really we can't stop ourselves <laughs> wanting to do it. Yeah. And there's no doubt there are better public speakers, and, and definitely join the groups and learn. And you know, it's just like that practice again. You can get better at, at public speaking, um, but just having the passion, yeah. wanting to do it, get out there and and doing it, and you'll get criticism on the way or you can't please all the people all the time and not taking any of that on board. I think that's good. Take feedback and people who want to help. But, you know, big audience, there'll be people who like it, there'll be people who can't be bothered and you don't get over it. You know, you've got your message, you're passionate about it and some people will, you know, the majority of people want to listen yeah. and, and will we'll lap it up and, and, and we'll take your ideas on board. They'll have forgotten it by five o'clock of the same evening, so that's why you need to follow it up with some more, with an email or something. Yeah. That's where digital comes back in. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot to be said as well just for finding out what it is that, that scares you and going and doing it. I think feel the fear and, and do it anyway and you know, uh, not great for a podcast but if you, can, you can imagine the, uh, the diagram which is a, a circle uh, which you know, label this is my comfort zone do a, do a dot which is a way outside the circle and, and just arrow that and say where the magic happens yeah. and the magic happens outside of your comfort zone yeah. and so probably you'll get there as well but for, for me who at times feels quite comfortable talking on stage or doing a talk and if I'm feeling too much in my comfort zone I'm clearly not pushing myself hard yeah. enough and the magic isn't going to happen and the magic is going to happen when I push myself that that further forward and yeah. do things that do make me 
you know, I do, I am scared of, does make me feel fear, but that's where the magic is. Yeah, that's almost, where I've got to go. You can almost use it as like a, a GPS in that sense that it doesn't have to be this bad thing, it's just telling me what I need to do next. The fear, the fear clearly, there's something there, and you need to look at this quite carefully because yeah, I could get myself fears. in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm not about to start bungee jumping, I'm not sure that's where my magic happens. I'm very scared of bungee jumping, but I don't think that's where my magic is going to happen. But maybe that's where I'm wrong, but certainly from those sort of things of. I've seen this where yeah I've been very scared of doing big talks but when I've done the big talk I've realised and that has actually mean that my comfort zone has expanded to include that dot of where the magic happens so that isn't where the magic happens now and now my, I need to push again and we're always pushing our boundaries yeah. and, and doing more okay so we talked about a few books already uh, I wanted to know if there's any other books in, from your past that have had a, a big impact on you that you would recommend to somebody else? I think, you know, there's, there's so many books, isn't there? And it's great. I, I know I listen to podcasts and I'm, I've got my pen ready, literally. There's going to be a book list here uh, and, and love to, to add ones to, to my list. And I know, um, was it Zachary uh, on the, the, the Gentleman uh, podcast, episode, yeah. which again went for a great one, which was um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is Dale Carnegie. Which uh, and and you again mentioned Napoleon Hill and and you know that they really are you know um, personal development one hundred and one yeah. read read these books uh, and and read them again if you if you can uh, and something you can do quite regularly um, on productivity I'd, I'd say again the one hundred and one is you know Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of, of of highly effective people is is that one book that got me started reading about productivity and so much of the, the stuff there when you read it again it's just so obvious yeah and why am i not doing it and yes it is um and there's all the philosophies about you know uh, productivity and you've got sort of david allen's gtd getting things done yeah which really is an you know an extreme near, near religion of of uh, of task lists and and to do and again a calm calm mind so i would recommend uh, both both of those i would certainly from a business and mark anything by seth godin I'm a massive Seth Godin fan, so probably you know the Purple Cow had a great ef- effect on me, uh, and then to want to read everything that Seth Godin has written, pretty much since then, I, I do think he's a genius. He's a marketing genius and a business genius, and I can't mm. get enough of of what he says. But again, taking some of that stuff and putting it into action, and, and this is the big thing when it goes back to Evernote. You can read lots of books, but do you do do you take do you take the action? Yeah. Um, you know, you near enough do have to study these books and imagine that you're not just reading them for fun or enjoyment, but to, to take something from that book yeah. and, 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 and do something with it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I will have to, again, I know I've used some of the apps and, and um, some of the web services like Goodreads and, and Shelfari yeah. to try and keep all of my books as a list of them and review the books and understand what... What, what I learned from them uh, I, I know a very very well recommended book and I know recommended by a lot of people is The Slight Edge okay. again if you've not if you've not read The Slight Edge definitely add that one I've to, not read that one no. to, to the list yeah no very 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 good um, the, the Slight Edge and again when you read it it's just the, the great books are the ones where it's just so obvious but I never would have got there without without yeah. reading reading that book but uh, and of course when you read the more you read books the more references you find to other books and want to read those books and the more authors you find and you want to read more books the more podcasts you listen to yeah I was just about to say it's a network you know, that just spreads and 
you've got to be careful to not take on too many, but at the same time, it's yeah. like a, with, a world. Of with with books, you know, uh, I would recommend Audible, and Audible give you uh, on a subscription. I've got a subscription which has two books a month, so I'm now I'm going to do those two books a month anyway. Uh, you know, brilliant podcast. I'm not sure if you listened to is the one by Tim Ferriss. Yeah. So Tim Ferriss had the uh, four four hour work week. Again, great book. I yeah. recommend reading the four hour work week, and there's something in there for everybody. You don't have to be radical as as Tim, but there's something in there for everybody to mm. take away. But again, on his podcast, he promotes he has a reading list and he has picked out books which are on Audible. And that suddenly found me another 10 books that I'd never realised were even on. I thought I was an expert, I'd probably been on Audible again, probably seven or eight years. Got a couple of hundred books. And he found, you know, 10 books that I, I, I couldn't believe these fantastic books were on Audible. And so I've added those to my list for the next, that's going to be like the next five months reading. Yeah is these these ones I found from recommendations from Tim Ferriss yeah. and it's great those sort of podcasts again because he will always ask recommendations for books yeah. uh, within there so yeah you're never short but then again we would never want to be there should never be a month when you get there I've got nothing to read this month yeah there's always something there's always it? something and it comes back to for me something we mentioned in the last episode which was about being selective of your media almost treating it like a diet and this is a lot easier now with this age of information but I think in the past it was a case of people you know, I'm making a bit of a stereotype here but just sort of channel hopping all day through the garbage that tends to be on a lot of the mainstream channels that in no way really promotes any kind of introspective thought or self-development and while you can do too much of that it's good to relax sometimes and just watch something funny or you know cheesy whatever but I think you do need to be selective of it because it is like food to me I think there is that thing, and social media is part of this. That we have got a bit of an addiction to the news, and what you know, what's most up to date. You know, I can you know, travel a lot in the car, and we just listen to the radio, or you know, the idea of Twitter, and so it's just because we want to know the latest thing, and we want to know what's going on. And it could be anything from a, you know, showbiz news, the latest gossip, to even your football club, and actually how much value does that add when actually I could be consuming the audio book of you know, how to win friends and influence people or the audio book of the one thing rather than you know, uh, all of this which really doesn't add a great deal of value like you say maybe a film just to relax at, at times but we can be just addicted to the, 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 the constant flow of more and more and more news which mm. doesn't really add a lot of value no absolutely and final question really is is there a this may be a bit of a thinking one, but is there a quote that you really like, that you kind of live by or that resonates with you? It's funny when you put someone on the spot because yes, there is, uh, there is, there is lots of quotes, and it's funny because you, you, sometimes yeah, I, and I do, I've got to think about quotes, and I'm sure I've got an Evernote somewhere. So if, if I had my phone now, because I'll turn that off because it would be uh, too distracting while on the call. I have an Evernote with 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 quotes and. I'm trying to find sometimes who actually said the quote and if they ever said the quote um, but there, there, is, there, is, there is lots um, one which we, I think is uh, goes back to some, allegedly, allegedly that Woody Allen said and, and Woody Allen said that uh, it was something close to this anyway if I'm paraphrasing but 90% of success is turning up and however you think about that I think that, that's so true yeah. that you've, you've got to show up uh, clearly if you don't show up, there can be no no success. But it is that turning up, either you know, however you think about that, just turning up every day to do stuff, but turning up to that right meeting, turning up to that networking, turning up to you know you've got to turn up, yeah. you've got to be there, and that's sort of connected with another one, which was 
uh, it was said to connect to Steve Jobs because obviously and again Steve Jobs said some uh, lots of things that are very profound have been put have said that Steve Jobs said but I think Steve Jobs either an idea or paraphrasing again is, is when you're in the room be in the room and I, I think you know that can sort of time meditation obviously Steve Jobs was a big uh, meditator but yeah. you know be in the room and this is where maybe your mobile phone sitting in a room with a load of people who are playing with their mobile phones they're not actually in the room no. and actually even though they physically turned up they didn't turn up but fairly ironic that he was the creator of something that made this stuff <laughs> it's, it's interesting that yeah whether he'd use most of these I'm sure he'd find all the notifications and of course when he created the iPhone it had no notifications yeah. uh, and that was very much an Android um, sort of uh, something they focused on and then iPhone had to do it because I'm sure Steve Jobs would have said that yes that wasn't that wasn't beautiful at all that wasn't calm and he wouldn't want those things uh, but yeah I think his you know again there's a man who could focus and very much if you're in the room be in the room yeah well thanks Phil it's been a fascinating talk uh, I'll probably let you shoot off at this point I know you've got places to be busy schedule and whatnot. is there anything else that you, at this point you'd like to kind of plug or where can people go well, to connect I'd, with you I would definitely like to plug this podcast if, if I can I think it's a fantastic podcast I've, I've listened to the I'm catching up now oh, on some you. of the old ones and definitely I was just on the way here listening to, to Zachary so uh, definitely anybody who hasn't listened to that one go back and yeah presumably you subscribe what iTunes yeah Stitcher. iTunes Stitcher we've got a YouTube channel all the, the I'd big say ones. Stitcher is probably yeah. one of my favourite apps at the moment so definitely have a look at Stitcher subscribe subscribe to that so I'd, I just want to say really thank you very much for having me and take the opportunity to promote yourself you know definitely go and have a look at your uh, your podcast and all the things that you offer yeah, thanks a lot and your website is is it the Philip bit, or Phil Oakley well the best thing probably if you want to is follow me on Twitter which is Phil Oakley one L all together so just uh, P-H-I-L Oakley all together you'll find me on Twitter and then probably from there I'll probably signpost a few things okay excellent and that's not to be confused with as you first said at the first meeting where I saw you the 80s yeah not to, <laughs> some people will uh, will think of Phil Oakey and the leading of the Human League which is uh, I can't compete on Google with uh, even the misspellings of such a uh, a famous and uh, incredible lead singer of the Human League is Phil Oakey. Yeah. Uh, his social media presence isn't so great, but uh, they're definitely still out there and still creating great music. You need to go and school him. I'm having trouble at the moment because if you search James Wilde on Google, it comes up with someone called James Wilde Lee, who's better known as Jimmy Lee, who was the guitarist in Slade, and who's actually in somehow related to me or something, but what I'm finding is my Google searchability is a bit poor yeah. thanks when, to him when you've got someone who is so fat and certainly in the world of either show business or music you, it's very hard to compete with so it just shows again people's use of social media and how their their interest in those areas is so great so Google thinks we've searching for that you must want this person uh, and it requires us all then yeah to create you know I probably think brands brands that can be found uh, and things that can be found easily in connection with ourselves but connecting with the right people in the right way can, can clearly uh, help us I think social media can actually help in that way yeah. well all these 80s people who are holding us back it gives us an excuse to up our game at the very least so. absolutely this is this is the challenge and this is what keeps us going you know get us out of our comfort zone challenges us and pushes us all forward and hopefully makes us all better yeah. wise words to finish on so thanks a lot Phil and join us next time I'm